The podcast is supported by Premi Knitting Club, a registered New Zealand charity and virtual tribe of knitters providing knitted items and fundraising for neonatal intensive care units in New Zealand. I'm Courtney, I was a Premi myself and I run Premi Knitting Club. When we donate knitting to the NICU, families are given knits for them and their baby to treasure forever and keep. And we always need knitters to help us. If you have family members or friends who are knitters and want to help, you can find Premi Knitting Club New Zealand on Instagram or Facebook. We've also included the website in the show notes. We love That Niku Mum podcast and are proud to support it. Hi everyone, welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. My name's Shan, I am your host, um it's currently friday the 29th of september when we are recording this episode and the weather is freaking confusing so that's fun it's not relevant but i was just looking out the window um anyway today we are speaking with michaela who after a couple of miscarriages um with with different partners she and her current partner decided they wanted to try and have a baby um they ended up falling pregnant with their little girl Odette. Like if you've seen the Swan Princess, you know. Um, who they they call Dottie, which is freaking cute, isn't it? Um Michaela was had a pretty normal pregnancy. She was working normally, she worked in retail, she was, you know, climbing all around the store and everything. Um yeah, and then she unexpectedly went into labor at 33 weeks. So I will let her tell you all the details. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy. If you just want to start off, you can just introduce yourself, introduce your story, whatever you'd like to do. Absolutely. So I'm uh, Michaela Jew. Um, I am mum to a almost eight-year-old little girl named Dottie um, Odette. Um, and uh, basically... When I was in my mid-twenties, I got pregnant with her and uh, had a very easy pregnancy and a wonderful time. And then, wham, bam, um, Little Miss decided to come super freaking early, seven weeks early. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's I'm a working mum. I have changed partners a few times. I um, have done a lot, but um, I guess my NICU experience was really quite informative for me. So, yeah, I I don't mind sharing my story because it's always quite interesting. Yeah, Um, I have to ask, did you get her name from the Swan Princess movie? Um, Weirdly enough, no, I had a dream. (laughs) I had a dream that I had a daughter named Odette and um, and uh, I woke I had woken myself up from this dream and I kind of talked to my um, partner at the time her dad and he was like oh I don't hate that name which was for us was a a miracle Um, (laughs) and and um but then basically a few days later he had a dream where he woke up saying no don't do that Odette and so then we were like, well, I think she kind of chose her own name. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's our weird story. <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Really? Yeah, pretty crazy, really. I think she decided her name well before we did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to just go back and talk about like your pregnancy with her? Obviously, it was pretty straightforward. You had no, no issues or no kind yeah. of so, idea she was going to come early. Yeah. So when, um, 
when I was about 20, I think 19, I was diagnosed with PCOS and mm -hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I had really sporadic um, periods for most of my adult life um, and most of my teen years as well. Um, so when I got, I initially got pregnant using um, Clomid uh, when I was in my early 20s with an ex a partner. Yeah. Um, and so when I was uh, with my new partner with Dottie's dad, uh, we accidentally found out we were pregnant. Um, it was spontaneous. Um, I then had a miscarriage. And so we we went down the track of asking the question, well, we already thought we were going to have a baby. So yeah. how about we just, we just see what happens. And um, my little sticky bug decided um, that she wanted to be in the world. And so she, I found out I was pregnant with her in May no I'd had no major uh, morning sickness I mean like yeah. I definitely had some growing pains I freaked out probably quite early on at, at around oh, I want to say that it was about 10 12 weeks I was kind of freaking out a little bit because there was definitely some growing stretching pain that yeah. I just wasn't used to yeah. um but my my nurse my mid my midwife my my doctors they all said relatively normal um probably just ligament pain oh. um it was it was exhausting growing a baby. I don't mm -hmm. think anyone ever prepares you for that. But other than that, we were super easy. She was one chill customer. She just <laughs> uh, she just kept growing, and we didn't have any majors. I mean, I definitely struggled with uh, panic attacks. Um, mm. I don't think I'd had panic attacks to that degree, and I don't think I have since having her. So. Uh, but other than that really really easy pregnancy it was kind of do you of think creepy. that was uh worrying that you were going to have another miscarriage or just the fact that oh my god I'm going to have a baby or both I definitely think it was I think it was a bit of both I think mm. also at the time I'd seen a few friends go through miscarriages as well mm. um I think we all kind of were in our in that that kind of position where we were kind of looking at having babies and really like seeing that it's not just as simple as getting pregnant and staying pregnant yeah. for nine months. So I think yeah. for us, my fear was definitely, and I think a lot of my panic came from the fact that she was too easy. I was like, yeah. it's too too easy to grow this baby right now, yeah. um, especially after suffering two miscarriages and they were quite, I'll be honest, completely horrific miscarriages. Um, yeah. One of them took a week to go through um, and they did talk about doing a DNC but never got there. Mm. Um, which I was quite grateful for not having to be in hospital was my ideal yeah. um, and the first one I um, I actually suffered such a massive um, miscarriage that I was actually um, picked up by an ambulance on the main street of Upper Hutt so it was a oh uh, it was um, me crying on the ground while my partner at the time and my best friend were like trying to get me to calm down enough to get yeah. me back in the car yeah. um, so I think yeah it's definitely a fear um to more to do with miscarrying and not having the baby at the end of it yeah yeah for yeah. sure um so you obviously had no discussions around prematurity because you had no indications that and she was going to come early no um I mean we didn't even have a birth plan yeah, I was that was my next I question was, <laughs> I was I was booked in with my midwife literally maybe like the next Tuesday um so I 
we were going to talk about our birth plan then. But yeah, we, I had the we, exact same thing. So I my my OB had been like at my twenty eight week appointment was like, oh, we'll start planning your birth around thirty six week appointment, and I was like, mm, I mm. I think I'd feel more comfortable at the thirty two week. And she was like, oh yeah, all good. So my my twins were born on the Sunday, and my appointment was meant to be on the Wednesday. <laughs> so but, I literally didn't get but, it. Pretty much exactly the same with us. We literally had it booked in for the Tuesday morning. I was like, cool, all right, we'll talk about a birth plan then. Yeah. And no, she didn't these babies, wait. Eh? No, these babies, they just, they have a mind of their own. They yep. absolutely do. Right. Do you want to talk about what happened when you went into labor? Like, absolutely. It was quite spontaneous. It was very spontaneous. So um, it was probably about, I want to say midnight um, when I had just gone to sleep. It was a, a Thursday night. I was ready to go back to work the next day. Um, I was a l- up a little bit later than usual um, because mm. me and my partner were doing the dirty, which I think is uh, one of those <laughs> things that doesn't really happen when you're in late pregnancy. So um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm gonna say that I have a feeling that part of that getting down and dirty may have uh, may have helped things along. Yeah. Um, in terms well, that's of what they tell you to birth. do, right? Like when you're trying to when you're towards the end, you're gonna yeah, have sex. Precisely. Get it out the way you get it. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was one of those things where it's like a lot of things clicked into place after the fact being like oh yeah. maybe we did something in that situation <laughs> that didn't necessarily help. oh she's just like I don't want to be in here anymore she's like get me do- out of here <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'd been having um I've been having she she'd been having hiccups every like 2 p.m for the last week and a half like every single day I'd had she'd be sitting there and I'd be sitting at work um where, where I was working on the tills basically serving people while I had this little baby inside of me doing hiccups so hiccups are weird eh when they get the hiccups it's the weirdest so feeling it is the weirdest feeling but yeah so my partner and I um we woke we woke up I was in pain I had extreme back pain and I was just like I am in so much pain right now and like it's just the worst feeling on my back um and he was basically like oh um what do you want to do and I was like um call my midwife like now please like I don't like this like I do not like this feeling so he gets on the phone and he's kind of like walking around the room pacing whilst trying to get through to someone um and they're like go to the hospital and we're like cool awesome that's all we needed to know we're going there now um and beauty of it was I lived 10 minutes away so it was like a 10 minute ride I was in pain the entire time hunched over they put me in a wheelchair when I got there he wheeled me up to the delivery suite they chucked me into a room I was like okay we're going to like delivery suite all right I'm only like 33 32 weeks at that point mm-hmm. and so they chucked me in a room and they were like oh, okay cool we're just gonna do some looking around and checking you know obviously it's not ideal that you're having back pain um yeah. I wasn't having contractions yet right. um which was quite good because obviously you know like I didn't think that I was there yet yeah um, yeah um, my midwife kind of strolls in uh, not long after we arrive. Thank God for her. Um, and so they basically like, cool, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a check. Um, they're like, ah, oh, uh, so you're having this baby tonight? And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm only thirty three weeks. I'm only I'm yeah, I'm like 
like, I'm not even 30, uh, I was 33 exactly on the dot. I was like, no, it's too (laughs) early. And they're like, you're four centimeters dilated. Your waters are about to break. I was going to say, had your waters broken yet? They had not broken yet, um, but they were like talking about getting a needle in there and and popping them. But they were like, she's coming. And I'm like, no, she's not. She is absolutely not. I was like, is she going to be all right? And so they're just all kind of whirling around me. They put the um, they put the monitor on her um, mm. to try and see if there was contractions. But unfortunately, they decided to pick the side where she was kicking the monitor. So she kicking was like, off. I don't want this. Whatever this is, I'm coming. So <laughs> They I always know, eh? Yeah, so she was definitely, she was like, no, 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 you're not not checking what's happening in here. So, yeah, it definitely was pretty fast-paced. My midwife was kind of just like, this is happening. And I'm like, oh, I have to go to work tomorrow. What are yeah, you talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely um, a fair bit of panic. Um, but they did they did quite well to calm me. Um, I didn't obviously didn't have any time for any real, um, like, there was no way of giving me anything because of how far along I was so I ended up having maybe gas but I think I did most of the delivery uh alone (laughs) unassisted did they give give you steroids for her yep they they turned me over and stabbed me in the butt as you do (laughs) um they're like we're gonna give it to you so that we can get her lungs um stronger and I was like all right yep if that's what's gonna help that's what we're gonna do so Yeah, they um, yep, they gave me that, and they basically then started prepping the rest of the room. I had um, the doctors kind of come in. There was like a, a few doctors kind of come in, and they were like, "Cool, all right, we're getting a bed ready for her." And they had like a little incubator off to the side, um, yeah. to so that they could wheel her away. Um, but did they kind of tell you what was about to happen with her? Like, did they did they kind of prepare you for Niku? Um, no. Not really. I think because, so my, I went into labor about midnight and it was about 2am kind of by the time I was in the hospital bed. Um, mm. And then uh, we, I was pushing for maybe three and a bit hours. She was born at 6.20. Right. So we had such the rush situation that they didn't even have a chance to be like, you're, they, they said you're going to NICU. She's too mm. early. So she's mm. going to NICU. Um, but basically they said, all right, your partner needs to get on the other side of you because he's going to go with the baby as soon as the baby's out. Right. Um, and he's going to go with her. Even if, even if they hadn't have said that, I was like, go with her. You follow It's just, her. it's instinct day. And yeah. everyone I've spoken to, I was the same. It's always, you go with the baby. I'm fine. Yeah. I was like, don't even, like, don't even look at me. Like yeah. get over there. And yeah. so he was, he was definitely quite a good, uh, partner in that respect and like we really had our backs and he really like he he followed her as soon as they were out of the room I was still delivering my placenta anyway yeah. so I was definitely bogged down um so yeah they just uh wheeled her out the room and they're like we'll take care of her and I was like you better take care of her <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah and like they were really positive like uh, about the whole situation so I I guess I felt pretty reassured that yeah. that, that she was in the right place because we were in Wellington Hospital so did she need pretty... any uh oxygen or anything CPAP? yeah she, 
she had CPAP, definitely. Um, they they put her on oxygen. She was only on oxygen for maybe the first little bit. Right. Um, she she definitely had to go back on oxygen a few times because um, mm. they kept trying to take her off oxygen. But then um, I think maybe by about week two, we were yeah. pretty lucky. She didn't need the oxygen anymore. But yeah, she had the, the big, beautiful mask on for the first mm-hmm first like maybe week of her life um yeah they they did definitely experiment with trying to take the mask off so, right yeah yeah and yeah. how much did she weigh at birth she was just over two kgs so she was yeah, pretty decent she was, she was bang on she was two two oh three eight right. so yeah. she was she was bang on that two kg mark yeah um, good. but she was really long really right. long I was like if you had stayed inside of me it's really no wonder she was kicking monitors and stuff because <laughs> I was like how did you have space for those legs <laughs> like the legs alone were just uh yeah she was she was a very long baby um when she was born so and even for her age in gestation she was very yeah. long so yeah yeah. When after well before they took her to Nico, did they bring her over to you to like introduce you to her or anything? So or pretty much. So as soon as I, because obviously I had a vaginal delivery, and mm. so as soon as she came out, they put her onto my chest, um, yeah. like onto my belly kind of thing. So they put her on there, um, before they took her away, and I think my midwife really advocated for that, yeah. um, just to make sure that there was that contact before they whisked her away. Yeah, um, and her dad did get to cut the cord as well, so they really did give us a really good um opportunity to kind of yeah. to feel her, to see yeah. her, yeah, and to hear her, which I was I think had had made a difference really. It yeah. did. Because it kind of gives you the reality that, yes, you've had a baby. Like, yes, yeah, you have pushed sure. her out. Yeah. yeah, and she's yours. Yeah, she's yours. This is definitely yeah. your child. So, because mm. there is a lot of, um, it, it feels very alien. Like, you mm. don't have a baby because mm. they do just whisk them away. But I think I was very lucky in, the, in regards to them insisting that she go on to me before being taken for yeah, um, for, sure. Check up. yeah. for sure because they always it's very important they like they're always um pushing or you know like skin to skin and kangaroo cuddles and stuff so I I do think that that initial skin to skin straight after birth is yeah for both 100%. of you it's just like quite grounding eh? quite yes you know, before being think, ripped apart I think like the proof is in the first photo I've got of her I was so I was so overwhelmed because of mm. how tiny she was. And mm. the the first moment that they put her on me, which was probably actually like, it, she'd been in the world for nearly 12 hours by the time I got a chance to really uh, hold her. Mm. And, and that was really like, it's so hard because you're just looking at this incubator and seeing this tiny little baby um and you're like is this even real how did I deliver this tiny thing um and so I think yeah it's really important to get that skin to skin um even though the doctors and nurses they sometimes seem very hesitant to give you the baby because they are so tiny and it's like no 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 I I need that she needs that I yeah I know my baby needs that skin to skin to be able to be attached to the thing that carried her you know yeah yeah so I definitely think that's important 100 percent 
Um, and so your Niku stay was pretty straightforward. She was mostly just like a feeder and a grower. Yeah. So I think that was also stressful in itself. And I yes. kind of hated that. Yes. Because um, lots of people, obviously, their, their babies have things that are going on. But we were in the un- strange position where we were just watching her grow. And, mm. I mean, I remember the doctors coming around one time and just, like, they kind of went to the first two babies that were in our room. Um, and I think that uh, Dottie was probably about two weeks old at this point. And they just, they didn't, they, they didn't even, they stopped at those two. And then they looked at, at Dottie and they were just like, she's just growing. And then they moved on. And I think that's almost like a, in itself was a little bit dismissive. Cause it's like, yeah. we still deserve a little bit more than that kind of attitude. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, it did give us uh, a bit of a relief, I guess, in knowing that she was just small. She was just growing. Um, mm. I think you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because when you're in the unit and when you're in NICU, you're seeing these mums who are going through really horrible, hard times with babies who have, um, I mean, during that period of time, I think there was um, someone who had the their stomach outside of their body and they were waiting on surgery number four or something and their baby mm-hmm. was still only a few weeks old so mm-hmm. you're you're sitting in there with some some of the mums who are struggling the most in the world and just to have your baby be told oh they're just growing it's yeah. almost it's almost a struggle in itself because you're like yay my baby is growing but look at the pain that's surrounding me mm. and look at the struggles that other mums are going through like what mm. right do I have to be upset to be here so yeah yeah it's very it's very much it's very much a guilt thing eh? yes like I felt exactly the same Luca our twin A was just like a feeder and a grower and Bo twin B was um on and off oxygen and everything and even that was because I was like Luca doesn't need to be here but I don't want to split them up but yeah he deserves to be at home but Bo deserves to be (laughs) you know it's yeah it's it is really difficult and it's really heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking and every single I mean like yes we're all in this together and we do it everyone does similar journeys in the fact that it is you're there um, yeah. And I think that's the hard part, though, is, yeah, when you, you've you obviously had a beautiful split, you get to see, you know, what it's like to have just that grower feeder and mm. the one that's struggling. And I think yeah. that those those parents who kind of go through that, you, you come out, you're no better off than each other. You really, it is a sense of community. In the 100%. Wars. Yeah. And I don't think any mum who I talked to in the ward was really like angry that their baby was in their situation. They were just staying in their own lane and they were understanding yeah. that every baby is different. And yeah. I think that was the beauty of the community behind it. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. And it, um, it is very much a community. Like you, you meet people in there that you become close with. Like I'm still really close with one of the mums that I met in the unit. And you just you help each other through it like it doesn't matter if their baby is sicker than yours you just help each other it's just what you do you know it's just like yeah I think I think for myself um because I so my best friend Sam Mama and Ellie um she and I were living together when I was pregnant with Dottie and she got to see firsthand what what my NICU experience was so I think Mm. I think for some, in some ways, that kind of helped her when she had to go through it herself. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, it was, I was 
I was way, it was way easier for me to empathize with her when mm. she was going through the wards, although it was really hard because I think COVID made everything so much harder. I could not support her the same way that she supported me and Dottie. And yeah. I think it was a real struggle. And I think it was a struggle for everybody who was going yeah. through NICU at that point in time. So yeah. I know that we're not, we're not alone. We, we, yeah. every person has some sort of uh, ability to, to kind of draw on that kind of experience to give the empathy that people deserve. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. One of my best friends, um, her babies had been through NICU as well. And same same as you and Sam, like I had been there for her when her babies had been through it. And then she couldn't be there for me because of COVID. Yeah. And she like, that was so hard for her because she was like, I, I want to give you the support that you gave me. And like, she obviously had been through it. So she knew and it, yeah, it's and definitely it, really it's difficult. Hard. It's really hard for both sets of people. Mm. Um you know that you want to give them more, especially, you know, because I knew how lonely it can be in the wards yeah. at times. And I know how hard it can be when you don't know what's happening next. Um, and it's not like the information isn't there. It's just, it feels like they don't always tell you what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and I think it kind of, it makes sense, but it's also like, this is my baby. Tell mm. me what's happening and what the next yeah. steps are. And you definitely kind of, have to find out a lot for yourself and you have to fight for them to, to give you the information, which is frustrating. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, I definitely, I didn't have any concept of what I would have to go through. And I had never experienced anyone except kind of from a distance of what mm. they had gone through. I'd seen pictures of NICU babies and, and mm. heard stories, but I'd never ever come against somebody who had actually gone through that lived experience. And I think mm. for me, because I went through it first, uh, I mean, I'm a stubborn woman. I am, I will advocate for my child and I still and do advocate mm. for anybody that I love because I have a very strong sense of justice but yeah. that's because I am that kind of person I would hate somebody who wasn't a stronger sense of self to be in that position where they can't ask those questions because they're afraid mm. to ask those questions yeah so I definitely think that it is really important that we get to have conversations like this about yeah. our experiences to give them that clarity but you have to push for your baby you yeah. have to be the advocate and yeah. that's the thing like you know your baby like you have to trust that your mummy instincts kick in from the moment that they are growing inside of you you mm. listen to yourself and I think most mums will say I don't I don't have a problem with listening to what I believe and that's what you should do you should yeah your especially mommy when you're there. in the unit yeah 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 especially 100%. when you're in there yeah so how long um, was Dottie in the unit four in the end? So we were in there for four weeks, pretty much to the yeah. day. Um, so she was she was born exactly at 33 and we left at exactly 37. Wow. So she was considered full term. Um, yeah. I can't. I can't remember how big she was. She definitely um, was back to her birth weight. We definitely had some ups and downs around feeding. Yeah. Um, I was I was I was a great milk machine. Um, but when we got home, I was terrible. Um, but we left right. we left the unit with a lot of milk. Um, so we were able to feed her for another maybe two months um, with mixed feeding um, yeah. of, of bottle and breast. But she, yeah, she definitely left at a, at a reasonable weight. Um, yeah. And we were pretty happy. She looked like a little alien baby. I loved yeah, that. Yeah, they always do. 
Moon looked so little and with the big eyes and like the, the oh yeah. yes and um for a while there she just definitely looked quite orangey because we <laughs> we, we 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 went under lights twice um yeah and so she was always she always looked just a little twinge tan I guess um <laughs> which was really like quite funny but yeah it went the, like the the day that we got told that we were going to leave it was quite the surprise because they had just not told us anything for for about a week or so we knew mm. that we were in room a and um in Wellington at the time um Wellington Hospital Nagu they um basically room a was for the babies who were getting out and right. that, we knew that we knew that as soon as you were in room a because it was as close to the door as you could get um <laughs> they're literally and, like pushing yeah, you slowly out of the unit yeah i i definitely um I, I guess that's the thing like they definitely have those kinds of things where they're like yeah. they're pushing you around the unit um <laughs> but you know when you're in a certain room yeah. you're gonna get out it's like yeah we're at that point where we're almost and they make you do the parenting course and so we knew that we were really close maybe at the three-week mark and we were like just waiting to see what they would do because yeah. I did I did I obviously hyper fixated on figuring out um you know like I did a lot of research while I was sitting there not being able to help my baby so I did a lot of research while I was sitting there um watching my baby I was like how soon would she likely get out being a 33 weeker not having any issues so yeah. Google search was my friend um and and they definitely were whenever I would ask the doctors like okay when do you think she's going to come out because um I didn't didn't stay in the unit for very long at all I mm. I wanted to be gone I was I was I wanted home I yeah I went in on that Friday um like you know middle of the night morning and by the by the time it got to Saturday mid mid Saturday I was like I want to go home I mm. live 10 minutes from the hospital um I was given a little bit of shit about that from some other mums at the time but I was like I live 10 minutes away Mm. I am I am no good to her being in a hospital bed. Mm. Um, I want the comforts of home. I need my yeah. cat. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely think that um, we got to that 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 final room and we knew we were so close and we knew that she had done a lot of growing. Um, they also did at one point talk about oh maybe we'll leave her in for a few days and I was like you do no. not let that happen mm. I was like I will do everything I can to make sure that she is leaving as soon as possible yeah so it's definitely it was um kind of ironic the day that she got out was the day that I was supposed to go to each year in concert and I was oh. like how did I ever think that I was going to make that concert yeah, you would have been know. literally full term pregnant. Full term. I was like, and it was also in Auckland. I was like, what was I thinking? Honestly, like, I think the reality of the situation never really sunk into me. Really, I think so. I actually went to that concert. It was the one at the, <laughs> his first one at Mount Smart. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went with yeah. my mum. <laughs> I reckon it would have been a fantastic concert to go to, but I was, was. stupid. I was stupid to think that <laughs> probably I... not at 37 weeks pregnant. Exactly. I don't know what I was thinking. I was dreaming, mate. I was dreaming. optimism. Optimism. I think, and that's. I think that's the thing. You had to ha had to be pretty optimistic to get through some of the things that were going on. So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't change. You definitely have to be optimistic. <laughs> yes you do <laughs> so after she came home there were no no issues or anything 
Um, we had uh, like a developmental specialist come through um, when she was quite um, early on. I think maybe we were monitored for the first year. Um, right. we, had, we had a visit, a home visit by the NICU staff at maybe like her being home for about four weeks. But also bearing in mind, she was born on the on the 13th of November it was also Christmas so yeah I think our visits were kind of a little bit skewed in that in that thing like so we were supposed to have certain visits but obviously because it clashed with Christmas um Mm. we definitely they kind of stringed us out a little bit more in terms of checking up on her which I don't think was a bad thing gave her an opportunity to grow while she was at home and I think that first month of her being home was a real big struggle we did really struggle because feeding was horrible and they do mm. not they don't really I had a lactation consultant a couple of times but I never really got the support and help that I needed um looking back now I kind of think that maybe we had a tongue tie issue that wasn't really dealt with and they did talk yeah. about maybe that she had a bit of a tongue tie but they never really assisted to the point where we needed it developmentally she was pretty much all right by the time she had one yeah. Um, and we didn't have any major issues even like now you can see the difference in kids who were born, born early I mean like uh, she's always been a bit on the skinnier side and I'm yeah. like lots of other kids obviously like have a little bit more meat to them I, mm. I've noticed um, mm. you know full-term babies obviously seem to seem to hold that weight a bit better I guess you can kind of tell um, that she she was a bit of a NICU baby um, mm which I think is it's quite interesting really and I think mm. I think it's obviously like just it's just a part of her life experience I guess yeah, so she will always yeah. be a little bit on the skinnier side and I mean it's not a bad thing really so no. yeah but she's it's just she's, the way she is isn't it really you can't change it is. yeah pretty much I mean I like to encourage her to eat a little bit more or <laughs> you know try and eat which you know yeah it's it's, it's a lived experience for her though like so, Does she know she was a NICU baby? Definitely. Does uh, she understand we, it? I I think she kind of understood it. And I think because um, because of Sam, because of mm. us going through that kind of together once she had Nellie, I think mm. um, because Dottie and Nellie are absolutely lovely together and um, definitely Dottie treats her like she's a little sister. Um, and I think that kind of... Um, helped her to see the experience of her of what she went through when she was born. right yeah because um, obviously they were born quite similar gestation wise eh? yeah now yeah. it was about a week and a bit earlier yeah yeah we we make the joke sam definitely was trying to compete with me and <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to beast me in this <laughs> which you know a, a terrible thing to beast yourself in. Well, but, you gotta <laughs> laugh or else you're gonna cry yeah, though right yeah definitely and i think i think that's exactly it i think it was um it's cool to have done something similar like that with your bestie and yeah it really gives you a unique perspective of being able to support each other as well mm. so yeah. um but yeah she definitely um like she's she's got I've got a box of all her bits and pieces um with her CPAP mask and um all the little tubes and stuff that they took off of her and so she definitely and she loves seeing baby photos of herself including yeah. the ones with where she's got bits and pieces running off of her face and you know her her little fast on her hand to stop her from pulling out her ID yes. and stuff so yeah definitely she understands um it more and I think she understands that it was obviously a bit of a 
an experience for me to go through as well mm. so yeah yeah did they yeah. ever kind of figure out why you had her early or have any suggestions so the the uh, through my own research really I guess I have noticed that um there's been a few studies around women with PCOS um mm. going into preterm labor um, right. and I'm not sure if that has to do with it but um, I mean there seems to be a higher intake of women who have PCOS going into preterm labor right um, I don't know what the study's done behind it it would be interesting yeah. to see if there's more studies done around that particular topic yeah um, but for me obviously like they they did um they took my placenta they were like do you want your placenta and I was like get that thing away from me please um <laughs> I was the like, same I was like no uh, thank you <laughs> uh, no I'm good I'm not gonna be and at the time it was when the when the phase where that everyone was making it into like pills to eat and I was yeah. like honey I'm I'm not here for this sorry but that's <laughs> not what we're doing and my own mother was a big advocate for burying them and and my own placenta I know is planted but but beneath a rose but I was like mm. we were living in a rental at the time I'm not mm. doing that I'm not mm. carrying a placenta around until I can bury it sorry that's not yeah. who I am um but I definitely there was definitely some jokes about what what we could do with it I was like you know what just tell them to take it and to study it and see if anything comes from whether or not this was spontaneous or not. So basically yeah. the end of it, it was no idea. It was spontaneous. <laughs> Helpful. You, you just went into labor early and yeah, um, yeah that, that was the answer I got. The I only like, way to, to test great. the theory if you, is if you had another baby. <laughs> see if it happened again pretty much <laughs> and um and that's exactly it as you know got to go down that road to be able to figure out if that's what's going to happen but I guess they'll uh if I do get pregnant again they will be monitoring me yeah. and I will be classed as high risk yeah. um but but there is obviously a lot of mixed data around whether or not it would happen again so yeah. I mean I'm optimistic it would be lovely to go full term with a baby at some point um but realistically, you've got to get pregnant for that to happen. And now that I'm in my early 30s, um, it seems a bit more of a challenge. So yeah. currently currently trying to conceive, but not really getting anything happening at the moment. But mm. PCOS has, has some hormones imbalances that really need to be addressed. So yeah, it's, it's a, it will be a d- different experience next time around for sure. Yeah, well, I know, um, obviously, I had the twins early. and they offered me the preterm clinic and I was mm-hmm. like mm, nah because I'm pretty sure I had them early because they were twins my <laughs> midwife my midwife was like yeah like I don't think it was you I think it was them so yeah I I decided not to go down that route um I had my cervix checked at like 16 weeks and it was fine and then Angus my singleton was 39 weeks and man honestly the difference between a term <laughs> baby and a, it's out the gate like I mean like that's the stuff the you can just do is wild it, it, I, I exactly and I know that going through it a second time will be a completely different experience um yeah. I'm obviously grateful but please don't make me do that again yes <laughs> like, yeah that was exactly me as well I was like I mean if I have to but ideally I would not want to do that especially <laughs> if you've already got a kid at home like yeah. you having to split yourself no um, honestly and, and I think that that's exactly it I uh, you know families who can go through that a couple of times you are 
of honestly super super people I mean mm-hmm. like I know that any pregnancy that I go through again I will probably be completely different I'm in a mm-hmm. completely different space now than I was when I was having her so I think I think that's the thing like I know that no two experiences for me were going to be the same yeah um and I know that it, it kind of gives me peace of mind that it was spontaneous yeah um in some ways because at least they say they've not told me that there's anything that I have to worry about in the future yeah. yet yeah um so it, it is it's both a blessing and a curse because mm. at least it's not something I do have to worry about in the future it's just a mm. your body decided that that was it and I mean uh, after having this wonderful girl for seven nearly eight years now I know that she was just determined she yeah. just wanted her birthday to be on Friday the 13th I mean like <laughs> what else it's such a cool birthday like what other reason does she have right she just she just decided that it was time was up I'm not going to be born in 2016 or Christmas and I'm like thank you because I do appreciate that I was gonna say so you would have been due around what Christmas New Year's I was due the first of the first 2016. Nah, so she I was like, like, she was like, I absolutely was like, not. I'm not sharing my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. And I was not looking forward to being heavily pregnant during that oh, period yeah, of time. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not having a Christmas baby. And lo and behold, she was like, we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, she took it too seriously though. <laughs> she, she listened to me a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> cool. well thank you so much for sharing your story and fingers crossed that you get your your second baby so uh, they're coming baby dust. they're coming and uh, they're coming you know it'll happen it'll happen it when it needs to happen right <laughs> the universe always has plans though eh? oh yeah too many plans we don't know all of them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for having me you are so welcome it was so lovely to talk to you yeah lovely to talk to you too so yeah, that was Michaela's story with Dottie, who was not named after this one princess. <laughs> but as soon as she told me her daughter's name was Odette, I was like, that's going to stick in my brain. And now all I can see is this one princess. But yes, anyway, not relevant. Um, so yeah, so obviously it was quite um, unexpected, but at the same time, you know, she's, um, Michaela's very optimistic that because it was spontaneous and unexpected, there's nothing, uh, you know, nothing that's going to happen next time when she, when she does eventually fall pregnant again. So fingers crossed she makes it to term. Um, I really, I, I always really hope that people who have a second or subsequent baby after being in NICU get to have that, that full term or that, you know, well baby experience that you just get to take home because it's, it's so special. Um, after going through NICU and everything. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Michaela was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, she talks about her best friend, Sam, who's Mamra Nelly. She is, has been on the podcast before. I think she's episode four. Um, she, her episode is called Severe Preeclampsia and a Near-Death Experience. So yeah, go and have a listen if you're wondering um about Sam's story because yes yeah, similarities other than the fact that Michaela had a spontaneous burp and Sam had um preeclampsia so she had an emergency section but yes anyway I hope you enjoyed and we will chat again soon bye